Today's episode of the Wretched Hive Podcast is coming to you live from our sponsor, our sponsor's location, and that is Timeless Pints Brewing Company in Lakewood, California. Timeless Pints is your go-to location for distinctively different beer in Southern California. They offer a huge variety of amazing handcraft beers in a wide variety of light and dark beers, including Belgians, Blonde, Red Ales, the dark beers that were my favorite, and actually today I am enjoying a Huckleberry Stout, my favorite beer on this planet. It is so delicious. The beer is great, but really it's the service and the people that make Timeless Pints shine. Today's beer wench is Stacy behind the bar, hooking us up, and I highly recommend you come down to Timeless Pints and check it out. Say hello to Stacy from the Wretched Hive podcast. It's right here in Lakewood off the 405 freeway at the Cherry Avenue exit. To keep up with the latest beer releases and information about food trucks and other events at Timeless Pints, follow them at Timeless Pints on Twitter or go to TimelessPints.com. Go down to Timeless Pints, grab a pint, and make sure to tell them the Wretched Hive sent you. Welcome to the Wretched Hive podcast. Bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley Space Force. What are you talking about? We'll never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Welcome to another episode of the Wretched Hive podcast, another mini episode of the Wretched Hive. This is uh, Steve Baldwin here, coming at you live from Timeless Pints Brewery in Lakewood, California, and I'm joined today by a very special guest, never done a uh, complete show on his own. He's been on the show, though, haven't you, Josh? Yes, I have. You've been on the show once or twice, I think, at least, for sure once. Okay. (laughs) We've been to Timeless Pints here before together. Uh, Longtime listener of the show. And relative of one of the hosts, uh, Josh Hodges. Josh, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me here. Thanks a lot for coming down, man. It's really nice to see you. So you are, forgive me if I'm mistaken, you are cousin to Greg Lent. Is that ca- is that true? That's correct. Okay. Our, our mothers, our sisters. Okay. All right. So growing up, did you have to tolerate like holidays and stuff with him? Uh, <laughs> it would probably be more of an enjoyment, not a tolerate. Really? Yes. He was, an, he was an enjoyable child. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's got 20 years on me, so... Oh, okay. So, okay. That, that explains so a he, lot. So he could beat you up when you were kids. If, I was it, practically <laughs> his little brother growing up. He oh, would always okay. pick me up by my ears and stuff and pick on me, but, you know... So he, so you're saying he was a bully? Sometimes, <laughs> yes. Oh, come on. No, but I'm sure he's evolved a lot since his childhood. Yeah, well, he's grown up to picking on me about Star Wars now, seeing it first before me. Yeah, yeah, he does that with everybody. So um, you you recently saw Episode Nine? Yes. Uh, in the theaters. Where did you, where's your home theater? Well, since I moved to Long Beach about four years ago, I go yeah. to the AMC down by the marina. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. And uh, do they? Was it like IMAX viewers? I did not see it in IMAX. Just okay. their typical. Just a standard. They had lounge chairs, so it was nicer. But you know, just standard AMC, movie theater. You know, the AMC Torrance in the mall is pretty good. I used to go to the one up in uh, the ArcLight in El Segundo. Yeah, yeah. And they had yeah. 
it's nice seats, nice theater too. I didn't. I tried looking for IMAX. They just didn't have any showtimes that worked for me at the time. I I needed to see it before spoilers started popping up. At me, so. <laughs> right. so I did get to see it in IMAX at that Torrance Theater. Just our, a friend of ours is the manager at the mm-hmm. one in Dalamo, yes. the outside one. The outside, and section. that's a really nice. They have a brand new IMAX theater, super high def um, projector and resolution, everything. Go if you get a chance, go check it out. Say hello to Casey Calwetty there. When okay. He's a nice guy. All right. So you, anyway, you saw episode nine. So just broadly, overall, 30,000 foot level, what did you think of the movie? I uh, definitely liked it. I, I okay. really did enjoy it for what it was and what they had to wrap up with for the whole series. And I did like how they had all the touches of the prequels and the, the original movies and the sequels all tied up. Yeah. Definitely higher on my list than episode eight. Now, and you're, you're speaking with some authority here you've been a fan for a long time probably longer than i can remember you <laughs> you so we have our own lifelong scott star wars fan scott ivansky are you have you literally been a, a fan your entire life as far as i can remember yeah i've yeah. always had i still have all my action figures and toys from my childhood Do you yes okay. i have the I think it's they call it the second generation Adat toy that was like three four feet tall. Oh yeah, I like have the, huge, a, the big one. Yeah, it was you know three four feet tall. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I I actually went through my toys the other day and I saw it. I'm like, oh, I still have this. Did I that put it up? Did on that there. come with Luke with uh, that hangs down with like the grappling hook? It didn't come it? with Luke, but it came okay. with the grappling hook, and it has two seats in the front for. Uh, pilot. Wow! So, like the three and three quarter or three and a quarter inch figure fits in that cockpit. Yeah. Okay. I, pretty much the yeah the boxes that were green and red for the action figures. Okay. Those figures fit in there. Like the standard like three inch action figures. Those things. Are. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah, and I still have all my action. Of course, they've been played with and loved. Well, but. yeah. That's what I, you know. What? Okay, bone to pick really quick with people that buy stuff and don't open them up and play with them. That's what toys are meant to be opened up and played with. I know, but people <laughs> want the box and want that value. And I think I have a Palpatine somewhere that's sealed because it was an extra. <laughs> I know some people that buy two of everything, one to open up and play with, and the other one, one to keep sealed, which, is, <laughs> which I think is pretty smart. If I had all of them sealed of the same amount that are open, I'd probably have no space in my house. <laughs> you probably live in a mansion as well because you'd be a very wealthy man. Having all that, <laughs> no, all I wish. <laughs> all right, so so you've been a fan for Star Wars, for a Star Wars fan as long as you can remember. Yeah. What What is your earliest memory, if, if you think back? when What were you and Greg uh, doing playing Star Wars? What kind of stuff were you, were you playing with at, at Christmas time? I mean, it was always the action figures. I, I actually remember when he uh, first started dating Kara, his wife now. Yeah. Uh, I went to his house. I brought all my action figures, and he would set them all up in weird, funny way. Nothing that had anything to do with any of the movies, but, you know, it was just craziness going on with action <laughs> figures. And I'm like, no, no, no. You, that's not who wrote. Darth Vader and Palpatine are with each other, <laughs> not against each other. <laughs> that's awesome. I remember I, I was I had the action figures too, and I had this sense of this weird sense of irony as a kid. And I used to have like the weirdest like you know combinations of like I'd have Leia and like you know Vader hanging. I, 
hanging out together and the sand people like serving them food and like all kinds of weird combinations. Well, and also when I was a kid, there was a uh, <laughs> toy set from Mattel. It was a bunch of dinosaurs, and I would always combine them with Star Wars. So it was it was a mish oh, yeah. mash posh of toys. You had like fighting Toy Story the movie like happening in your in exactly. Your bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> was there like that dog with the like the you know the the, uh, the slinky dog? The slinky, yeah, the slinky <laughs> slink exactly. Yeah, Mr. Potato Head, yeah. all that stuff. All right, so so you definitely can speak with some authority as a longtime Star Wars fan. Yeah. You're very familiar with the prequels, uh, and of course the original trilogy. What, so so if you don't mind me asking, when what's your what's your original what what trilogy do you associate most with the original trilogy or the the prequels? So the original trilogy was mostly when I was a kid because. Episode 1 didn't come out till 99, so I was about 11, 12. Okay. So I had a lot of the originals in me before then. I had uh, the VHS tapes of the originals, and then I actually had a VHS tape of the special editions of the originals. So at one point, I could tell you the differences between the special editions. Don't ask me anymore, because I can't remember. It's right. so long since right. I've watched the pure original. But, but if you were 11 in 99, or 12 in 99, so you were... so I was born in 88, so I was about 11. All right, so you were born in 88. All right. Yeah. So we're we're I got about twenty years on you. Yeah. But so but the original trilogy is what was on TV when you were a kid. And you I had the VHSs okay. that I would always I would actually rewatch the same movie over and over some days, pop it in the rewind tape and gotcha. put it back in the VCR and play it again and watch it. Now you were sharing a little bit before we started recording that, that you actually collect the movies now, right? The, specifically the the laser discs. Yes, I've been collecting laser discs for the album artwork and the uh, the pure fact that those are original pre special edition copies of the movies, and there's differences even in those uh, laser discs than what we know of too. Yeah, that's super cool. I and I I as we discussed, I think there's some bonus material on some of those discs that it. If and when you get a Laserdisc player. <laughs> <laughs> I've been looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get them for pretty cheap. Yeah, you can get them pretty cheap, but, you know, the trick is they're double-sided. And some yes. Laserdisc players don't play double-sided, so you actually have to physically get up mid-movie, oh. open up the thing, flip the disc over, put it back in. So I've been yeah, looking yeah. for a Laserdisc player that does both sides. Yeah. And they're not cheap. You would think, yeah. old technology, cheap movie, right. cheap players. Nope, they're a couple hundred bucks still for the good ones. Wow, really? Yeah. Now, you've got a pretty good collection going there from what I saw on your phone. It yes. looks like you've got a dozen or more laser discs. I think the last number I counted was 15 before the collector's boxes. So there's a collector's box of the original movies, and then there's a collector's box of the special editions. So they did come out with special editions yeah. on the laser disc. Yeah. And then okay. I also have Phantom Menace. That was the last Ooh. laser disc. Nice. But it's a Japanese copy with Ooh. Japanese subtitles. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, yeah, so. and it's still sealed in cellophane, unopened? That one is, yes. Wow. Um, I'm having a harder time finding the first set of Laserdiscs completely sealed. I actually saw one on eBay the other day, and I saw it on my phone pop up as a notification that it came up, driving home from work, and I got home and it was already sold. So I didn't even get a wow. chance to even try to bid on that one. So if you don't mind me asking, what does it go for? Like if you get a, an average price for something like that, that seems pretty unique. But what is a what is an average price Star Wars Laserdisc from the 90s going to run me? Um, if you're looking at like the Faces Edition, the ones with, you know, half face of uh, a Stormtrooper, half face of Yoda, half yeah. face of Vader. Yeah. Those can range anywhere from like $20 to $40. Okay. Some people think they struck gold. 
and they have a sealed one. They think, hey, this is the best one. It's still sealed. And they, they try to sell it for 100 bucks, but they stay on eBay forever. Okay. But, yeah, uh, most of the time when I'm buying them, if you're getting them at, like, $20, $30, you're getting a good deal, especially okay. if they're sealed. Um, sometimes people know what they have, and I paid 50 bucks for a couple that were very rare that I had a hard time yeah. finding that they even existed or knowing that they existed. And when I saw it on there, I bought it right up. Nice, so nice. There is um, – when they went – because when they first came out with LaserDiscs, uh, they were full screen, not widescreen. And then they made ah. widescreen versions down the line. So not letterbox, in other words. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And they made widescreen ones down the line. Now, there is an issue with a set of them with an aspect ratio getting smaller. It's on A New Hope. Mm. The aspect ratio keeps getting smaller and smaller throughout the movie. Mm. And they actually fixed it. It changes throughout the film? Yeah. On it, the disc? If you have the right eye, supposedly you can see it. Okay. They said an average person's not going to notice. I guess the issue was was because they took a Japanese copy and they were trying to cover over the subtitles, and that's why they kept getting the smaller and smaller ratio because the subtitles kept moving. Mm. But I don't know how true that is. That's rumor. But to find one that's actually fixed is harder than to find the ones that are broken. Huh. And then they actually fixed it later on, I think, with the Faces edition of the LaserDisc. Interesting. But, yeah, there's like three different copies of that that I had a hard time finding. And okay. those can be expensive if you can find the ones that are fixed. Okay, all right. So you've been playing with, thinking about, watching Star Wars for your basically your entire life, certainly since your childhood. I probably watched Star Wars before knowing what Star Wars was, because right. my dad likes it too. All so. right, so so we've, <laughs> so we've established your lifelong Star Wars fandom pretty well. Yeah. So so let's get back to Star Wars Episode Nine then, because I that I I, lo- I started with that, and I, I wanted to make sure that that our listeners know that this is someone who really appreciates Star Wars and knows Star Wars, and and uh, I know that, but I want to make sure that our listeners know that as well. So so Josh, uh, you said you liked the movie. Um, what did you like about them? Let's let's start on a on a on a positive note. What was good about Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker for you? I, I like the nostalgia of the Emperor coming back. I, you did. Okay. I like the old characters coming back. I, you know, okay. and going to Episode Seven, I liked Han Solo showing up, Princess Leia showing up, and the ending with Luke. Um, okay. I liked all the old characters being tied into the movie. The prequels. I mean, the only original characters you had on there was R two and three PO, really, and Vader shows up at the end. Right. But having those true characters from the originals, I really like the originals, and the sequels help me yeah. like that and appreciate sure. that more. Okay. What about, what did you think about Luke coming back as, like, the Force Ghost Luke? How was that for you? Uh, I That's kind of expected. I mean, he transcended into the Force, Episode 8. You expect him to come back as a ghost. Um, one thing is, is, why only him as a ghost? Why not other ghosts? But that's probably something that they probably decided to trash at some point. Yeah. I mean, we saw Yoda in Episode Eight. Why wasn't he in Episode Nine to talk to Ray too? Right. Where was Obi Wan? Yeah. I mean, you still have. I know Alec Guinness is gone, but you still have. Um, well, what's his name? I can't think of his name. The Obi Wan actor. From oh, the uh, Ewan. Ewan, Ewan McGregor, McGregor, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, he could have had him as a Force ghost. He could have had Anakin well, as a Force ghost. Apparently, we were going to have an Obi-Wan television show that's on hold now. Yeah. Apparently, sadly. Yeah. But, you know, Tears. I did see that uh, Ewan McGregor is not happy about it. It was calling the drama BS, but that's... Uh, 
you know, who knows? We're only hearing... If they screw this up, I'm going to be so sad. <laughs> I'm going to be so upset. All right. Well, okay. So, um... But, yes, going back to your question, yeah. uh, seeing yeah. Luke definitely... I mean, it, it was coming. We knew I mean, there's nothing more ghost. original trilogy than Luke Skywalker. Right? Yeah. So I... And a ghost. So there, there is a yeah, and a, and a blue and a blue glowy. Yeah. So there was one moment in Episode Nine that gave literally gave me chills, and it was the written not so much the raising of the X wing, which was awesome, which was really cool when Luke raises the X wing against the same way that Yoda did from the swamp at Dagobah, right? Um, but when when Poe Dameron says into the micro into the not in the microphone, but he he's looking at the radar or the like tracking device, and he goes, "That's Luke Skywalker's X-wing." I I got chills in that moment, and that was just I don't know. It's like Luke Skywalker's fucking X-wing. You know, it's so cool. The X-wing still works after being in the water for twenty years. Somehow they <laughs> the battery technology they have in Star Wars is incredible. <laughs> Nothing rusts, and and the batteries always work. And electronics can work being underwater submerged for however long. Yes, yes. <laughs> Star Wars physics and Star Wars electronics, you just have to, you know. Well, going back to your point it. of him raising the X Wing. Yeah, what did you think about that? I, I liked it. I mean, we actually got to see him do it for once. Yes. Uh, but I really feel like Ray should have done it. Yeah. You know, he wasn't able to lift it, and they told him he wasn't ready. Yoda and Obi Wan told him he wasn't ready to face Vader. She doesn't even raise it, but yet she can go and take on Emperor Palpatine. That yeah. was kind of mm, to me. I didn't really appreciate that. You know, she can't even lift the X Wing out on her own, but yet she could take on Palpatine. That that was kind of yeah, yeah. There are some moments like that 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 seem like there's a lack of congruency. That they're trying really hard to bring back the original trilogy and the original sort of vibes for us, but somehow it just doesn't ring as true as I would have liked it to. Well, and Episode 7 got a lot of flack for being a repeat of Episode 4, Yeah, but a lot of things that they pointed out was Rey has zero training and she was still able to take on Kylo Ren at the end and yeah. survive that. Right. Luke wasn't even ready to take face Vader with training from Yoda and who knows how much with from Obi-Wan as it goes, but right. he lost a hand. Ray came out unmarked. Yeah. You know, and that's something that a lot of people criticize of that that I've seen. And of course you can retcon all of that. I mean you can say, you know, well, she's a palpatine. I mean no no one is stronger in the force than you know, than that blood. Than but having that blood. Some advocates would say, Hey, Luke Skywalker is a Skywalker, he can't take on his own father <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Um all right, so if you're like me you you go into these movies thinking that or hoping to see certain things, right? Like you've got your head cannon. Like like I had episode eight, and I think in retrospect, one of the reasons that I was so frustrated with that movie is I wanted to see Luke Skywalker kick ass against like the Knights of Ren, and I had this whole battle sequence in my head where Ray is fighting Kylo and Luke takes on the rest of the Knights of Ren and, and kicks their ass. But we didn't get that, and so I was disappointed. So, do you have moments like that that you were hoping to see that maybe didn't get to? I don't know if it's the child side of me. I've yeah. always liked lightsaber fights. Yeah. And every movie's had a great lightsaber battle, except Episode Eight. There was yeah. no true lightsaber to lightsaber type fight in Episode Eight. You had Kylo Ren and Rey fighting against the guards, and he had Luke 
and yeah. Kylo Ren fighting, but you know there was no touching of lightsabers because obviously Luke was a. Uh, yeah. I want to say ghost, but not ghost. Uh, a vision or yeah, right, right, right. Uh, yeah, force vision. Uh-huh. I was really disappointed in eight for that because there's no true lightsaber battle. It was just yeah. that, and um, not to go a little off subject, but I saw the leaked photos of Colin, uh, Colin, Colin's uh, episode nine, and there's actually a picture in there where Luke, as a ghost, is catching Kylo Ren's lightsaber in his hand. Oh yeah, and right. Oh, Colin Trevorrow's uh, script, is that what you're... I'm seeing and there were images some leaks, of uh, like, uh, uh, screenplay or like uh, ideas for his episode. Concept nine. art. Concept yeah, art. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul Bateman. Paul Bateman is the curator for the Ralph McQuarrie Museum. If you don't follow him on Facebook, find him. I'm going to have to find Paul him. Paul Bateman. <laughs> and he's posted a bunch of those shots. Yeah. And, you know, if Luke could have done that as a ghost, and again, that's an idea that wasn't canon, but yeah. if Luke could have done that as a ghost, why couldn't he have done that as a vision in episode 8? If yeah. that was the right. idea in episode 8, you know? Right. Or at least some sort of contact with Kylo Ren as the... That would have been way um, exciting for me. The second I saw Luke's hand, uh, foot slide across the salt and no red underneath I knew okay there's something up here he, he's not a person sure. and plus he looks 20 years well, he walks out the... he's yeah he's, he's, <laughs> he's 25 pounds lighter and his, <laughs> no gray hair his, bar, his beard is dark yeah exactly <laughs> but you know he could and of course Kylo probably hadn't seen him with gray hair because who knows how long right from... he, I, I mean I think that was the point that yeah. he was the Luke that Kylo would have Knew. known but he could yes. at least they could have at least added that element to like, hey, you know what? Yeah, yeah he had a lightsaber. He could have made contact just to give more of that feeling to Kylo. Like, okay, I'm fighting Luke, and then come to find out, nope, you're not. Have a nice day. <laughs> yeah, right. One of the themes that's woven through our show is don't judge Episode Eight until we've seen Episode Nine. And now that we've seen Episode Nine, and you you understand the the the, the entire trilogy a little bit more. Are you looking at Episode 8 differently having seen Episode 9, Josh? Not really. Um, The only thing I really see differently is Snoke. Mm. Now that we know Snoke is some sort of clone, or I I don't even know what you would call him, Um, maybe we come back to that point, but the rest of 8 really, to me, had no effect in 9. It honestly felt like... I felt like a episode eight was like a Rogue One to nine. Like it, it explains oh, how to transcend to between the two movies. It almost is a uh, transcendent from episode seven to episode nine. Like yeah. this is what happened at the end of episode seven to episode nine. Yeah, and I feel like they could have maybe even redone episode eight. <laughs> put another episode eight out. Oh, I think a have... lot of fans would appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, maybe about half a fandom would. Yeah, put another episode eight out that yeah. tied more into the story. And then leave the existing episode eight as like a Rogue One story. Type well, that makes setup. a lot of sense. Or maybe it's a story, the same story told from, as Obi Wan would say, from a different point of view. Yeah. Right? Because I mean, it makes sense that you're feeling that way because you've got JJ having filmed seven and nine with a particular vision. Yeah. And in, in my opinion, there's a lot that he retconned about Episode eight in Episode nine. I mean, making Snoke uh, a puppet to Palpatine. Um, I'm interested to know if they plan to bring Palpatine the, back the entire time or if this was something that they did in order to clean up 8. Because my thing with bringing Palpatine back, and I think it's interesting that that was the highlight for you, to me, I, I feel like, again, I hate to use the word lazy, but 
to me, it's almost like too convenient or lazy writing or something because, look, Palpatine's arc was done at the end of Episode Six. What is all the struggle we went with through for, through and all the all the rebels that were lost in four, five, and six in order to get rid of Palpatine, and now he's uh, he's not really gone. He's back. It, it just it doesn't. I don't know. And it, I don't it, know, Josh. It's it doesn't kind of, feel right. <laughs> sorry. Uh, That's okay. And it is kind of lazy because they bring him back, but there's no explanation on how he came back. Why? Yeah. And I, I kind of wrote down in my notes here, yeah. you know, Re- Return of the Jedi was four years after the Battle of Yavin. Rey was born 15 years. So there's an 11-year difference there. Okay. Her dad, this is according to um, Wookiee Wikipedia. Okay. Rey's dad died in 21 ABY. So 17 years later, they're abandoning... Uh, Ray at Jakku is Palpatine coming back 17 years later to try to get his son? Why? Why? Why 17 years later? And, and where was he during that 17 years? There's just right. a lot more questions brought in by just throwing Palpatine in episode nine. Then yeah, let's undo episode eight by throwing Palpatine. Like, but you raise too many more questions by doing that to yeah. me at least. It just doesn't doesn't make sense yeah it just seems a little too convenient to me to like okay what who's the biggest baddie that we can that we can bring back and kind of and we can tease original trilogy fans a little bit more and bring them in uh, again and it's, it's palpatine it just seems a little bit too convenient so you mentioned snoke and yeah. that i mean i use the term puppet does that does that make sense to you that that snoke was merely palpatine's puppet and so that's what? a little confusing to me. Yeah. Um, so Snoke's a clone because we saw the tank of two extra Snokes in Episode Nine. Right. Kylo's walking in. Yes. So he's a clone, um, and then Palpatine's telling Kylo, I guess, through the Force into his head, "I am Snoke's voice." Okay, then why did you have Snoke if you're his voice the whole time, and then you're Vader's voice too? So where does Snoke come in? Is Snoke acting upon the whole sequel series? Based on Palpatine's control, is Snoke... That's what I got out of it. That's how I kind of got it. Is Snoke a Force-sensitive being, and that because he is Force-sensitive, Palpatine can control him? And if he is a Force-sensitive being, can they clone Force-sensitive beings to have that? And then that kind of brings into my other question. If you can clone Force-sensitive beings, why wasn't the Clone Wars all Jedi clones for troops? Right. That uh, they could have had instead of just Jango Fett, someone who's not force sensitive, or is that something that they? And again, another question: Is that something that they developed in the how long from Clone Wars Episode Nine, 40, 50 years? I mean, it's a great point. So, so backing up to to the Clone Wars era, and that's that's when the Jedi were well known around the galaxy. In, in Return of the Jedi in Episode Six uh, and beyond, I mean, even Rey says, you know, she acts. You know, surprised, like, you know, you knew Luke Skywalker. He was real. He was yeah. a real person. Like, nobody really is sure whether the Jedi were a myth or not at that point. But back in the in the Clone Wars days, everyone knew that Jedi were real and could access them and find them. So why not build a clone army out of a Force out of a force user yeah um and have, have a kick-ass army of, of force Jedi. force wielding mandalorian-esque type warriors i mean that would be you're almost unstoppable that also brings up the question is baby yoda from mandalorian a clone if he's a force sensitive yep. being right and now we know hey force sensitive beings can be cloned yes. if that's the truth of snoke 
is Baby Yoda a clone of Baby Yoda? And they were experimenting back then. Sure. Well, they certainly it, it it looked like that, right? With the doctor that comes out and looks at him in, in the and second episode symbol. of episode two of uh, or episode two of the Mandalorian. Yeah. Right. You got that doctor that comes out with the symbol of the cloners. Yeah. So it, it I mean, you know, you would you would have a dominant uh, uh, army of. And, for sure, and maybe they wrap that up in the Mandalorian show of hey, you know, this is we were learning on how to finally do force sensitive beings and clones because there is Legends books where Palpatine was cloning himself, yeah. but they were having issues with them having force sensitivity. Right. Of course, that's all Legends, but following that now, hey, here's a baby Yoda that's fifty years. That kind of puts them, I think, right when Anakin's born. If you kind of look at the timeline, yeah. of when baby Yoda is yeah. born or clone whatever and maybe they were just then starting to experiment they have all the other cloning techniques down but they were starting to figure out force sensitivity maybe it wasn't ready by Clone Wars but they need to answer that that's something look that if Disney can pick and choose and decide that force healing is the thing all of a sudden that they can decide that they can clone uh, the force users as well and going to force healing how does Baby Yoda who probably has zero training again back to the Ray issue too zero training know this but then, if it is an ability that's been around, why didn't Obi-Wan heal Qui-Gon? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Have you heard our show lately? I'm really pissed off about Force healing, okay? It really is a, it's a touch point for me. And you could go on. I mean, okay, Force healing, is it yeah. a light side? Is it a dark side? Could yeah. Palpatine have done that to Anakin? Sure. Could they regrow limbs? I mean, right now it's just holes in bodies that they can yeah, heal. Yeah, what's the limitation? What's the limitation? Yeah, yeah, who, yeah. who, what kind of powers do you have to have to do it? Yeah. You also have, can Anakin get his limb back yeah. before uh, Revenge of Sith? Um, mm-hmm. Could, I don't know, could have Count Dooku have lived with his head cut off? <laughs> like, <laughs> where, where do you end at that? <laughs> Where's the cut off? <laughs> so, well, let me get, before we go on to Mandalorian, because I know we want to touch on that, I want to I touch on something that, Another piece that was a little bit of a, and I, I hate to be so negative about episode nine, but because uh, I really like, I'm like you, I like the movie too. I gave it a seven or an eight depending on the day. So I, I you know, it's like a C plus B minus for me in it's, the overall arc of all the movies. It's definitely rated higher than eight for me. <laughs> oh, me too, for sure, for sure. Um, but one one element of episode nine that bothered me um, is the the idea of teleportation. Where they can they they can teleport items objects um, from from uh, Ray to Kylo. For instance, at the end when they're fighting, and it appears that Ray teleports a lightsaber to Kylo when he's fighting the Knights of Ren. And so, I want to talk the Knights of Ren too because I know you had an opinion about that. But so, what do you think about that? Is that teleportation we're seeing in the Star Wars universe? So, um, kind of going a little bit on that. If you look at Episode Eight. Snoke admits that he's the one that's connecting them. So that then goes back to is Palpatine controlling yeah, Snoke? The force Skyping does, or whatever they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Does Palpatine the one that's controlling that? Because then in episode eight, after Snoke dies, they continue to see each other at the very end. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. right in episode eight, Kylo gets his hand wet from the ocean. Yes. So you do see that maybe it's something that Kylo is learning more and maybe once he gets in contact with Palpatine yeah. does he develop it more and teaches it to Rey? 
I don't well, know. And you but, also see the berries or whatever spill out on the ground. Uh, I can't the, remember. The what. Vader mask. Yeah, the Vader mask. Yeah. But that was not intentional, though. That's not me saying, I'm going to send you this glass of beer, Josh. Yeah. I'm going to send... That's just like you're, you're in the same room together and feeling some of the same senses. That's different from me saying, you need this lightsaber. I'm sending it your way. It's possible because they see that objects do go through that, yeah. that yeah. they figured out, hey, we can maybe send items. And the force dyad that they apparently are, um, according to... Um, and, and Who was it that said they are force dyad? Maybe it was Palpatine. I think it was Palpatine. Yeah. It, well, it, no, it, it was actually Kylo, I think, that says it, but whatever. Either way, I mean, maybe it's something that the book might explain a little bit more, how, how they oh, developed this that's power. that's a good point. I hope that they do explain it. Yeah, because... Because that was a little bit of a non-explained it, thing also. It makes sense that they kind of develop more and more, because, again, back sure. to episode 8, water coming on his hand. Episode 9, they have, you know, the, the stuff falling through when they're fighting. She's in the room. The yeah. Vader mask falls through. Maybe they start developing more of a solid connection yeah. and... Work their way. And I don't that, know. I, that, I don't like it either. Like you were kind of saying, like why? It feels but. a little bit. You know what it feels like? It feels a little bit sci-fi to me. Like <laughs> this is like space fantasy. It feels a little bit too like too transporter-ish. <laughs> like, like look, Picard is getting all these rave reviews about the Star Trek Picard. I don't want to. I don't want to transport things like like Star Trek. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. It. it but now that more that I, I'm saying it out loud. It kind of maybe it is kind of good that they don't explain it because I hate when they have to like force feed everything to you, leaving some things open for interpretation. I think sometimes is good. I mean, if it was something that was only in episode nine that you yeah. see items or object or something going through, I'd probably be a little bit more upset. Like, why did this come out of nowhere? But because they did talk about it a little bit in episode eight with in a previous so one. Okay, maybe it's something they developed as a force power. But again, yeah, her giving him the whole lightsaber. Yeah, right. Exactly. You just did the hand motion. She had it behind her back, and he had his hand behind her back. So the same, sort of the same position. And yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, again, they kind of had a similar setup when they were back to back in episode eight, and she winds up throwing him that lightsaber. But that was clearly flung. Yeah, that's or, true. Or pulled, or pushed, or whatever. Maybe there's some sort of connection with that lightsaber being a Skywalker lightsaber that allows it to yeah. do that. Connect- I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, we before we move away from episode nine, were there any other? I know you you made you did some research here. What else did you want to hit on? Um, one big question I have was where's Luke's green lightsaber? Since we're talking about lightsabers. We only see it in flashbacks. Right. And I'm talking about the Return of the Jedi lightsaber. We see it in a flashback when okay. he's trying to kill Kylo Ren. Right. But we never see, did Kylo take it away from him when Kylo demolished a building on him? We never see him with it. We never see him use it or anything. But then they, instead of, you know, there's an element of an extra lightsaber... They introduce Leia's lightsaber and so, give that to Rey. So let's back up for a second. Let's make sure we're on the same page here. So at the beginning of episode... At the end of episode 7, Rey is handing Luke his lightsaber. That's the Anakin lightsaber. That's the Anakin. That he lost with his hand. And, and yes. why didn't Luke ask for his hand back either? I, I, <laughs> I, where's the hand? <laughs> and by the way, to your point before we started recording, when Luke 
fades off into the forest at the end of episode 8, why don't we see his arm clank to the stone? Apparently machines can go into the forest too. I don't know. I guess so, but <laughs> not the the robe drifts, drifts off. It's yep. uh, you know, his Jedi clothes don't go with him. Why it, did his hand go with and, him? And back to my green lightsaber, if yeah. you go through the book of episode 8, okay. it's those those uh, people who maintain the temple on Oc 2. Oh, those little sort of like yeah, hand, handmaiden creatures or whatever they are. I don't know yeah. what they're called. Yeah, I mean, In the book, it says that they clean up Luke's stuff and they pick up his weapon and put it away. They just say weapon. It doesn't say it's a blaster. They don't say it's a lightsaber. Okay. So that might be where his green lightsaber is, mm. but that's in the book. Um, but yeah, where did his hand go? And then that kind of goes into my episode 9 point that we talked about. They never show his right hand as a ghost in episode 9. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't catch that. So can you ex- give me a little more detail on that? Just before the show you were sharing, I don't want to yeah, so, steal that from you. Um, when you a great observation. see Luke in episode 9 as a ghost, he's in the fire of the TIE fighter. Right. He walks out and he catches the Anakin lightsaber, and that's with his left hand. Okay. And when you look at him... The robe is over his whole right arm, and you don't see his right arm at all. And then when he's lifting up the X-wing out of the water, water, it's with his left hand. And again, the robe's covering his right hand. What about when he sits down next to Ray and he says, "What are you?" He says, "What are you doing?" And he sits down next to her, and they're talking. It's still covered, from what I remember. Really? I, I tried going back. And I shouldn't say this on this podcast, but I downloaded the cam copy of the movie. Oh, no. Uh, we'll have to. <laughs> let's make a time. Note okay. <laughs> but uh, re-watching it, it will say... Uh, it shows that the right hand doesn't come up. And I looked and looked. And even at the very end, spoiler alert, when he comes back as a ghost on Tatooine, you don't see his right hand either. Leia is on his right side, right? Are they kind of like standing next to each other? I can't really remember. Okay. I think so. Okay. But uh, you don't see his right hand. I I just specifically tried looking for his right hand. Interesting. And I kind of saw it when I first saw the movie, but I didn't think anything of it. And I'm like, wait a minute. He's supposed to be either missing a hand or have it back. And I'm pretty sure he's right-handed because that's the hand that gets cut off with the lightsaber in Empire. Oh yeah, so, for sure. It's his right hand. So why didn't he catch that lightsaber with his right hand? Interesting. Why? Maybe it's a, a reshoot. Maybe they they shot it and go, hey, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't do this. And when yeah. that can change it. Yeah. Or, I don't know. It, it, or they maybe they just didn't want to go there and try and explain it and just let's keep it off of uh, out of frame. I mean, if, if they don't want to explain Forrest Ghost having the lens back, End of Jedi, Anakin has all of his limbs back, and in you know special editions we saw. Uh, Unless Hayden those are his team. robotic limbs that he <laughs> went with him, who knows? <laughs> but I mean, Anakin has his limbs back. O- Obi Wan Kenobi is cut in half, and he's perfectly fine as a Force goes. So yeah, I don't know. That's that's a uh, a point that they need to come out and go. Hey, you know, we deliberately made his right hand hidden, so you guys, it's up to you. Is what's a nub? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. What did you think about the uh, revelation that Leia had been trained as a Jedi? I didn't like that they introduced it in Episode Nine. Okay. Um, I feel like if they were going to... I mean, it explains Episode 8 on her force pulling herself back into the ship that she's been trained somewhat in the I mean, force in a, powers. In a way, they sort of had to go there because they had to 
you know, explain how she was so powerful to be able to do that, right? But, you know, she was also powerful enough to sense Luke and Empire with no training. She was also powerful yes. enough to sense Luke that he was still alive after Jedi. Now she's developed it where she can force pull herself? Okay, but I feel like they introduced the whole element of her being trained as a Jedi just to have the point that there's an extra lightsaber for Rey. And again, it comes back to my point. Why? Use Luke's green lightsaber. Where is it? <laughs> right. But I feel like they brought that whole training up in Episode Nine only because they wanted to have that lightsaber there. When they could have introduced her training, like, hey, in Episode Eight, you pulled yourself back in. How did you do that? Oh, I had training from Luke. Like they could have at least done something in Episode Eight to prove that she had some sort of Jedi training. Because then she's training Ray herself, and why isn't Luke training Ray as a ghost? And doing yeah. that kind of stuff, I, right? I have mixed feelings about. It. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I mean, I thought it was a nice. I was glad that they showed it because I was so unhappy with the way that they did the whole Leia, um, Mary Poppins, pull herself you know, yeah. flying through space thing, and that seems so out of place in the context of the of the movie, without having any idea that she had been trained. Yeah. Um, and so, I, I, in retrospect, it, it makes it more sensical to me that she was able to do that. And, and a little off-subject note, yeah. the CGI of both of their young faces was terrible. <laughs> in my you, didn't, you didn't like that. I, you know, in Rogue One, uh, Tarkin, yes. great. Yeah. Great CGI. Yeah. Leia at the end of that, yeah. terrible. I agree. And, and, and Luke and Leia in this, terrible. So, okay. did they blow their budget on Tarkin? I, I don't know. But. So, so the, apparently, the Luke and Leia images from Episode Nine at the end were pulled from stills from the original outtakes from Jedi. Interesting. Yeah, so they actually pulled those. Those are not CGI. Those are somehow curated from the from the uh, you know B roll. In, in all Jedi. honesty, it yeah. looked like when I first saw Luke because he opens up his shield. I'm thinking, right. yes. Who is that? Oh. <laughs> and then I go, oh, wait, that's Luke with a lot of makeup. Oh wait, yeah. that's a CGI. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got it. I feel like they could have done it a yeah. little bit better. It, it almost looked like again Luke with too much makeup as a young. I had the same feeling about also uh, about Leia at the end of Rogue One. Yeah. But it, but if you do a side by side screenshot comparison, they had Carrie Fisher so made up. And looking so weird at the beginning of episode four, like just r- lots of rouge and just yeah, she had some odd freckles and stuff. That I I understand the way she looks, but it still looks like she looks like a mannequin or something. It, it, it looks in weird. Rogue One, if she hadn't spoke, I would have been okay with it. When she started her, talking, her the lips, her lips, were which weird. I imagine are very hard to animate, but yes, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It, it, she was good. Target was great to me. I agree. And, and my parents, who are you know obviously older. They, uh, when they saw Rogue One, they thought that that actor for Tarkin was still alive. And they're like, no, that's impossible. He's yeah. old at 77, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's 40 years later, and... They did a great job. They did a great job. Rogue so. One, outstanding yeah. film. Love Rogue One. All right, we're short on time, Josh, but I do right. want to hit really quick on The Mandalorian. You, We talked a little bit about The Mandalorian before we uh, started recording. You like it, I, yes. I, I, get, I, I take. Um... I did like the last two episodes. The first episodes, I don't know if you're much of a computer gamer, but every episode seemed like a RPG game. Okay. Like the first episode, okay, yeah. he went and did this quest and got Yoda for money. 
the second one, right. he gets a piece of armor. It almost feels like an RPG game. Okay. And the story wasn't tying together. So they were actually kind of losing me at the beginning. I, I liked the action. Oh, okay. I loved Baby Yoda. Yeah. I liked the idea of Mandalorian. But I felt like if you... Because 7 and 8 are two-part episodes. So if you take mm-hmm. 1 through 6 and you watch it, I feel like there's no underlying story to me. Okay. It's just like different adventures every step of the way. Yeah. And then 7 and 8 tie it all up, and that made it great for me. I'm like, okay, good. At least they did that. Cause, and I get it. It's a new show. They have to introduce characters and sure. stories and stuff like that. But yeah. it felt like a new character, a new story every time. Yeah. And nothing was tied together. And Almost trying to have it uh, standalone episodes that can stand on their own, whether or not. It's like the through point, obviously, is there. Like the the lone wolf and cub sort of motif that yeah. they're going after that we've talked about on the show a lot, but but uh, the through points wasn't there as much for you. Yeah, I, like. I feel okay. like there was no underlying story. Okay. So the, until they come into episode seven, great. Now they have all the characters he met all together. They're working together. They're helping, trying to get yeah. out of this situation. That okay. I liked that, and it made the whole season worth it to me. I'm glad I stuck through it. Uh, what do you? What did you? Do you happen to remember Dave's theory uh, that we talked about no. on our show? Okay, really quick. So Dave's theory is that the titular character, the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. is actually Baby Yoda. In season two, we jump ahead 200 years, and it's Baby Yoda decked out in Mando gear. He's been trained now as a Mandalorian because it's a creed, not a race. So the Mandalorian is Baby Yoda in Mando gear, force-wielding Mandalorian, kicking ass, you know, two and a half feet tall. What do you think? How many Mandalorians do you know have force powers? (laughs) That's not many. (laughs) That's true. And and how would they get those ears in that helmet? Uh, That's a great point. They'd have to fold fold down Or cut holes. Or cut holes. (laughs) Or have, you know, I guess you could mold Mold the the helmet. I feel like they're going to somehow tie in Mandalorian to Luke's Jedi that he's training. Mm, Here's a Force-sensitive being who... Again, the Mandalorian doesn't really know what the Force is. If you watch it, they don't know what the... And even the one guy's like, do the magic hand thing. Jedi Jedi were a myth at that point. Yeah, because the Empire tried erasing them. So I think down the road... They're gonna probably Luke's probably gonna see some sort of force ability used in the force, and to, and sense this baby Yoda figure and maybe take him to train him. But then that also begs the question: Where is he in Episode Seven, Eight, and Nine? Right. Um, possible. That's a big universe. Maybe he dies in that Jedi Temple with Kylo Ren. <laughs> Could be. That'd be yeah. a really dark yeah. ending yeah. to Mandalorian. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think I. Could he wear Mandalorian armor? Sure. <laughs> I don't think that's how they're going to go with a Force-sensitive being. But then again, and, and spoiler alert if you haven't seen Mandalorian, but the Darksaber, yes. maybe he does become... Because the Darksaber is like the ruler's weapon of Mandalore. Right, so right. Maybe the he first be- Mandalorian Jedi, right? Yeah. yeah, maybe he becomes the ruler of Mandalore with yeah. that Darksaber and having Force powers. Maybe yeah. a Jedi. Because yeah. we see in... Um, is it Clone Wars with Obi-Wan in love with the Queen of Mandalore? Right. Sabine, so, yeah. No, Sabine's the rebel. That gives oh, oh the, you're right. Uh, what's the... What's, I, I can't shoot, think of her, her name? name. I can't think... Ah, it's okay. Queen something or... Okay. I, I don't know. But anyway, you know, he's kind of in love with her. You know, he's not supposed to be. Right. They definitely have a connection. Yeah, they have yes. a connection. And yes. maybe eventually they just... 
they don't like the Jedi. They're Jedi hunters throughout their history. Right. And, and even in legend books, you'll see that. But maybe eventually they, hey, we have a force sense of being that was raised by Mandalorian. Maybe he becomes a more powerful leader to Mandalore yeah. for them. But then again, where is Mandalore? They're all hiding in an undercity of another planet. Maybe Mandalore's gone. Because last we see of the Darksaber is in Rebels, when Sabine gives it to the other lady. So we know that lady's got to be gone, because this this is after Empire Rebels have, is before. I have to go back and look at that because I only remember Pre Vizsla having it, and that was earlier in the Clone Wars series. So I think in Rebels, Sabine had okay. it. Okay. Okay. She's Mandalorian, or okay. Mandalore, yes, yeah. And she gives it to another lady, and I can't remember her name. Okay. And I think that's the last we see of the Dark Saber is, and she becomes the ruler of Mandalore while Sabine goes off on. Oh, okay. So, and you might have to correct me in another episode on that. No, I, I'm not up on Rebels. I'm, so, I'm a little bit behind on that one. Obviously, that girl is gone, and maybe that's how come, and again, I don't remember his name, the guy who has the Black Saber in Mandalorian. Oh, um, the, the, uh, yeah, the, <laughs> So, hey, you know, you're, you're just perfect for the show. We can't remember anybody's name. So maybe that's how he knows the Mandalorian, because maybe he destroyed the Mandalorian planet, and that's how he got the Darksaber, and that's how come they know each yeah, other. Right, you know, right. Some sort. Yeah. So I did like that. Yeah, yeah, and me I, too. And I always wondered, how are they ever going to put the Darksaber in a live action? Yeah. I always wondered, like... It's just a black hole in the screen. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, with Dave Filoni in charge, that Darksaber's going to come up. I mean, yeah. he's, he, he so, loves the Mandalorians, and he loves that that as an instrument of, so of destruction. I, I did like the uh, Darksaber. Excellent. Good. Um, Josh, we're about out of time. Right. Is there any... You got any any last... Any final points? I see you looking at your notes. Any final points you want to get out that you just have to... You'd feel remiss if you didn't mention. Well, we talked about the Knights of Ren. Yes. Uh, yes. So, That's a good one. I feel like they were a lot of hype for nothing. Oh, you <laughs> and every other Star Wars fan. Um, I did... And, and again, going back to the uh, the leaked images of the other director's yeah. uh, stuff. Yes. He did have a Knights of Ren ship chasing... Uh, Ray, and maybe oh, okay. there was going to be a lot more action next around yeah. his image. I just felt like there was nothing of them. I mean, you, I, to, to me, you have to put them in the same category as like badass that just went out way too easy. You got, I mean, Boba Fett, Darth Maul, uh, well, Phasma, Knights of Rent. They're they're on screen for. You know, no more than like eight minutes, and they're gone. Well, I mean, Darth Maul, you can't bring that up. He comes back. Yeah, sure, I can. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, because he's a Who fan. else do you know gets cut in half and lives? Not many people not, can tolerate that. Not Obi-Wan Kenobi, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Well, Josh, I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. This was a lot of fun. Joining me down here at Timeless Pints for a beer yeah. and uh, talking Star Wars, man. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks a lot. I hope this isn't the last time. No, definitely Cheers. Won't Cheers, be. mate. All right. Uh, guys, we've got another episode coming out in a couple weeks. Until then, come down to Timeless Pints, enjoy a beer, and may the Force be with us all.